think I gave you what? Did I give you six? Well, you need to go over one more chapter. You need to go over to chapter seven. Ah, uh, no. <laughs> You know, we've been married over 50 years, and this will be the first time I've ever been in trouble. (laughs) Hallelujah. I'm sorry, same verses, different chapter. That's what happens when you haven't had your full cup of coffee yet. Hallelujah. Uh, While she's getting that up, I am always the last one to know about any new thing that comes out. Everybody else seems to know products long before I ever hear of them. And uh, we were talking about coffee cups the other day and how you like to keep your coffee hot all day long. And our daughter said, well, you need to get a Yeti cup. had no idea what a Yeti was. And... uh, Anyway, we started looking for them. You know how much those little tumblers cost? It's absolutely ridiculous. And uh, so I got on the Internet and began looking some stuff up and found out Ozark Trail is made the same place Yeti is. Only Ozark Trail is only $7.74. So I bought one. And uh, Bobby got hers first, and then I bought one. And uh, brought it over this morning. It's the first time I've had it at church. Reached over to take a drink. And my lip is on fire. Uh, it does keep your coffee hot. I'm not selling them. I don't get anything for mentioning that. It's just that uh, I had not finished my coffee when I wrote that down. Now, if you want an excuse, I can give you an excuse for giving you the wrong scripture. Uh, up here at the top of the page in my Bible, on page 834, it says Matthew 6. Okay? Down here it says Matthew 7. I didn't look down there. So, I take full responsibility for the mess up. Alright? I do want to talk to you about five of the scariest verses in the Bible. Now, we don't think of the Bible as being overly scary, except for the idea of, of judgment or hell. Those two things are usually terrifying enough. Uh, I worked for an insurance company years ago, and we collected a debit. And each month after our collections were made, we had an accounting. I hated accounting. If you were off a penny, you spent the day looking for that penny. Uh, if you stopped and, and forgot and, and bought yourself a cup of coffee out of company money, it showed up when you reached accounting. If you wrote down somebody's account wrong, it showed up when it was time to give an account. Well, all of us are someday going to give an account. And I don't know that we should be looking forward to standing before a just God and trying to plead our own cause. So I'm glad, really, that we have an advocate with the Father, Jesus Christ, the righteous, pleading our cause for us. But 
five of what I think are the scariest scriptures in the Bible, and they've been used to preach a lot of different messages. Matthew chapter 7, verse 13. Enter ye in at the straight gate, for wide is the gate, and broad is the way, that leadeth to destruction. And many there be which go in thereat. Most people anymore are inclined to take the major thoroughfares, the four-lane highways. We can simply make better time. And in some cities you've got eight lanes and, and people going by on all sides of you. And it's, you want to take tranquilizers or something while you go through there. But out on 44, I've often wondered how many cars a day pass on I-44 going either direction, east or west. How many times does that road get pounded every day? But it's a major thoroughfare. It's a broad road. Now, on the broad road, there are usually a lot of exits. Some of them declare a historical site. If you take exit 34, uh, you'll find that there's a monument to whoever uh, along that route. And it may be uh, interesting for you to pull off. You come to uh, 75 or whatever number you want to pick. And, and boy, this town has some amazing uh, amusements that you might want to take part in. And, and as you look at the, the various signs as you're approaching exits, they will tell you we have food, we have hotels, we have golf, we have baseball, we have McDonald's, we have gas. Maybe the gas does come right after McDonald's. But anyway, uh, they've got all of these different exits that you can pull off on and take part in whatever activities are available at that particular exit. And I thought of that this morning as I was reading this in in the office. Uh, I believe the highway of life, this broad road that, that so many are on, I mean, it's simple. Just get on the, the road and, and go with the flow. Uh, I know we have speed laws on the road that very few people seem to pay attention to. I was driving down the highway the other day at a nice safe speed and people were passing me like I was sitting still. How fast were you going, Brother Don? None of your business. <laughs> Hallelujah. But there were people passing like, you know, there was no speed limit at all. Uh, people are in a hurry. People spiritually sometimes are in a hurry and have no direction as to really where they're going. Some of them are not even considering where they might spend eternity. So they look around on the road and, and they find some of the exits. Some of them are very simple. Some have taken an exit that provides drugs for them. We read constantly about meth addiction. We read constantly about young people who have gotten into trouble for selling drugs, doing drugs, carrying drugs with them to the classroom or workplace. They're, people have been fired from jobs because they couldn't pass a drug test. So many drugs, so many people looking for peace, even if it's momentary. They, they want some kind of a a dismissal from the pressure of life. And, and so they, they find a place where drugs are available and they take that exit 
off that particular journey in their life, that particular portion of their journey. And some of them, uh, unfortunately, make a home there. You know, it's all right to visit places, but it's always good to come back home. But sometimes people pull off and the addiction becomes so strong that they simply can't leave that particular place. There has never been a drug addict who entered into taking drugs thinking, I won't be able to quit this. Everyone that's been addicted thinks, I can stop this anytime I want to, only to find out that rather than being able to stop it, they keep stopping at more places to get it. It becomes one, and then then bigger, then larger. They're, for a long time, it was simply marijuana. And of course, now the, the big push is to legalize marijuana. Uh, is it in itself dangerous? I'm no chemist, I don't know, but I know it can often lead to other drugs, to other addictions. And any addiction will keep you away from God because it will declare to you that the Scripture is wrong. How's that? The Bible said, I can do all things through Christ which strengtheneth me. But someone addicted to drugs is basically saying, I can't quit this. So they've denied that the Word of God's true. I can do this through Christ. Most people who have gotten involved in drugs want want to, to build such a smoke screen around themselves that Christ won't even theoretically know where they are. I, uh, I know a few kids that, that uh, were in their, our class in, in high school that tried marijuana. Uh, they gave various uh, testimonies as to what it did to them. I have no idea. I'm not a perfect person. No, by no means am I a saint, but I've never tried marijuana. Don't believe I've ever had a drug addiction unless it was aspirin. And they told me a few years ago that 3,000 milligrams of aspirin a day probably wasn't good for you. So uh, that addiction got broken. But, but the, uh, uh, the idea of, hey, I didn't mean to end up in this particular location, but it seems I'm stuck here. I can't break away from this addiction. And there are people here who supply that addiction. We've, uh, we've pastored in some strange places, it seems. Uh, Sir Coxie for a long time was known as kind of the meth capital. When we pastored in Benita, it was known as the drug capital. Now, you think maybe if I moved, they'd get rid of all of that. <laughs> seems like everywhere we've gone, there's been some kind of deep addiction that, that God needs to counter. People have had an encounter with it, but never had an encounter with God. And only God can, can move you from that slum of addiction into a place of joy and peace and love and, and all that He has for us. Uh, there are other things that grab men's attention. When we uh, come into town from the West, any of you, it's a big sign out here, adult videos, adult store, adult spa, men's spa, all of that. We see truckers pulling in there all the time. 
We see cars lined up there all the time. I've often thought it'd be fun to, to go out and take pictures of the license plates and post them in the newspaper. Who all's out here? Who's, who's doing whatever it is they're doing? But the pornography business has become a major addiction to so many. I told some of you all the other night, a pastor, very deep Bible teacher, tremendous uh, anointing on his ministry, uh, confessed the other day that he had had a 30-year addiction to pornography. Now, he's been delivered and he's still working uh, with other leaders and counselors to to break that addiction. And uh, on Friday night, we have AA here at the church. Uh, there are men that come to that, that, that stay together, study together, meet together in order to keep them uh, broken from that addiction. Uh, there are so many places that say, try this. Remember the old commercial, try this, you'll like it? Remember the guy that overate and they said, try this, they said, try this, you'll like it? He said, I tried it, thought I was going to die. Uh, some have turned off on the road to fame. Well, you have a talent. Why don't you sell it? Not use it for God. Why don't you sell your talent? Hey, I can be famous. Uh, I'm almost convinced nowadays that you don't have to have a major talent. What you have to have is a major promoter who can promote your talent. Uh, you can take some of the technology available today and, and turn it in to a real professional sounding uh, CD or video. Uh, several years ago, some of you will remember Ted Shropshire. When Ted was here, he had invited us to his house one night for coffee after uh, we'd been to a concert or a revival or something. And he had quite a bit of, of equipment set up in his living room. And Ted said, I want you to do something. <clears throat> and I said, what's that? And he said, I want you to sing the first verse of Amazing Grace. And I did. <laughs> Not well, but I did it. And he started pushing buttons. And before long, I was singing four parts. He could adjust the sound on that thing to where you were singing the bass, the baritone, the tenor, and the high tenor. And I thought, that's, I don't sing four parts. That's technology. Some of the guys that are, are major stars now, they know more how to wiggle and dress skimpy than they do how to sing. Uh, many, of, <laughs> many of today's stars, you can't tell whether they can sing or not. The music's too loud. You don't have to hear the words, just catch the beat. But some have been caught in that trap. Hey, we can make you famous. Your picture will be on, on magazines. Somebody may uh, label you man of the year. Or if you get a certain operation, they may name you woman of the year like someone else we know. But there's a trap, an exit. Broadway's full of them. You don't have to be in a hurry. Take your time on the Broadway. There's pleasure in sin for a season, the Bible said. It's not eternal. Eventually, 
uh, sin catches up with you. Eventually, sin wrecks lives, wrecks homes, destroys marriages, separates children and parents. Sin's a deadly, deadly game to play. And yet so many on the road of, of the highway to hell uh, have found that fame, riches, all of that have, have caught them. And, and once they're in it, and once there's a, a degree at least of, of success, becomes harder and harder to pull away and really put your trust back in God. Uh, I remember reading a story some years ago about Elvis. And someone had interviewed him and said, uh, you, you grew up in a religious environment. Well, a religious environment's not important, but a spiritual environment is. I mean, you can be religious and not be spiritual. You can be spiritual and not be religious. Thank God for that. Uh, religion, incidentally, is another trap. But, but Elvis said he would love to go to church. But I can't. Look, this was a man that had gained so much success that if he went to an amusement park, he had to rent the whole park and keep everybody else out. Too many people would come because of his fame not to hear the message but to see Elvis. So the trap was set. It had been sprung. He was caught in it. Fame had, had pulled him away from what he really had a desire in his heart for. Oh, I know Elvis sang some great gospel songs, but Elvis sang a lot of other songs that led people in the wrong direction just as well. Uh, there are all kinds of, of traps. One of the greatest, I think, on this broad road is religion itself. What do you think of when somebody says the word church? Well, it's a rather large building with seating for several and it usually has a big steeple and a nice sound system and good lighting. It's, that's what it is. When you drive down the highways and you look at some of the structures that we call churches, they become inviting. We went to one for graduation for Ryan, and, and they have a full snack bar, Starbucks coffee. Uh, I thought, is this really what church is about? It's not the building. It's you. It's people. But religion demands that I go to an affluent church. That, that building is, has to have all the right programs. It has to have the right fixtures. It has to bring in the best singers. It has to bring in uh, the most famous preachers. It has to keep attracting and attracting and attracting. I read uh, a few weeks back where one of the churches was having the cussing preacher. And I thought, hey, that's, that's religion, that's not spirituality. You don't need to sit here and listen to me cuss. It's not, it's not what God ordained, what God required. But we have all the things that will attract. And while you're here, 
we better just tell you how to be successful and happy. Hello. Our pastor has a degree and he is the Honorable Dr. Feelgood. You all hear? He never says anything about sin because that hurts people's feelings. He never says anything about your anger. You don't want to have to look at yourself. He doesn't say anything about your bitterness, your resentment, hatefulness, all of that. He doesn't. He can't say anything about that. So he can only tell you good things because he has to keep you religiously involved. We have become so religiously structured that we've made church a business. There's a new, uh, new program that we've been invited to participate in. We can hook up a machine here in the church and we can start taking your debit card. Yeah. And uh, incidentally, if we hook it up in line with the internet, you don't even have to come to church. You can just phone your money in. Now, now listen, I'm not trying to be funny. Unfortunately to many, that's what church has become. They don't want me. They want my money. They want me to show up on Sunday with a smile on my face and put my money in the offering plate. And if I miss very many Sundays, I'll probably get a call or a letter saying we've missed your tithe. Now don't think that doesn't happen. That's religion. Religion has drawn people away from Christ rather than draw them to Christ. Well, Christianity is a religion. No, it isn't. Christianity is life itself. Jesus said, I'm come that you might have life and have it more abundantly. He didn't say, I came to make you religious. The Jews were already religious. Goodness gracious, they, you talk about religion, they were so exact in everything they did. They washed their hands a certain way. They walked so far on Sunday, could only walk so far away from their house. Wow, talk about religion. Religion will simply bind you to a set of laws. Religion will make you miserable. A psychiatrist at Eastern State Hospital in Venita told me years ago that 90% of those on the criminal ward at Eastern State Hospital were there because of religion. And I told him, looking him in the face, that's really a shame. Religion will drive you crazy. Christ will bring you peace. In religion, you'll always wonder, did I do it the right way? In Christ, you just do it His way and it's okay. Hallelujah. Too many people trying to establish religions. You know what religion has done? It separated the body of Christ. Can't fellowship with those folk. They're Baptist. Those people over there at that other table, they're Methodist. I barely will speak to them. We've divided into groups, segments, and Paul warned about that. Some said, I'm of Paul. Others, I am of Apollos. We all ought to be from Christ. 
joined together as a body, fitly framed together, doing the work that God's called us to do, but religion has broken us apart. It's the devil's purpose to divide and conquer. Hello. Listen, there are many exits, advertising, sexual pleasure, so many enticing pictures, videos, and people stepping off the broad road momentarily to find it. But Jesus said in this text, but there is a straight gate. Verse 14. Straight is the gate, narrow is the way, which leadeth unto life, and few there be that find it. On the broad road, you won't have trouble having company. Road's wide enough, a lot of you can travel the same way. In fact, that's the reason some of you have traveled it. There's a crowd going there. Looks like that must be fun. We'll go with them. We were driving through a city some time ago, and I forgot who was in the car with us, but but we were kind of looking for a place to eat. And one of them said, well, don't stop there. And looked over, and the only thing sitting there was an ambulance. Pretty good sign. I don't want to eat there, you know. But uh, we drove a little farther, and they said, hey, that's a good place. Look at all the cars around that place. There's two things about it. It's either cheap or the food's good. And either way, that's where we stopped. There's a, there's a crowd always seeming to go a particular destination. And it's easy to jump in with the crowd. Some of our young people are caught up in that. We've fallen to peer pressure. They've, they've come under uh, the direction of, of Mr. Big or Miss Big in the school. And, well, you've got to try this if you want to be one of us. And so they've gotten on that, that broad road and, and they're in a hurry to get nowhere. But Jesus said there's a narrow road. It's a straight road. It doesn't have a lot of dips and turns. And, but it's a straight road. But it's narrow. And I thought about that this morning. And I think it's so narrow that only two people can go down the road at the same time. You and Jesus. Hello. Shoulder to shoulder, arm to arm, car to car. You can only travel together with Him. And the sad thing about that verse, the scariest thing, he said, few there be that find it. Too many people looking at all the games, all the attractions, all the, the big time stuff. We have the best gospel group in the world singing at our church. We have uh, the high dollar preacher. We have uh, all the, the lighting and sounds that you could possibly want. You need to come to our church. The crowd's coming here. The crowd's coming, but they, they don't know Jesus. All they know is what we've got. Look what we bought. A multi-million dollar building. We're so proud of it. Look what we've done. King Solomon built a tabernacle for the Lord. And after that thing was built, he stepped out in front of it and prayed a prayer. And in that prayer, he said, Heaven and earth 
cannot contain thee, how much less this house that I've built. Look, if you're the ones that have done it and Christ has not done it, it's destined for failure. If it's the preacher's church, it's destined for failure. If it's only brother so-and-so's church, it's destined for failure because it has to be Christ's church. He has to be the head of it. He has to be the central figure in every message, every song, everything we do. It has to be Christ first. Hallelujah. And he said this narrow way is a way that's straight. It's not rocky. He knows the way. Even if it gets dark, he can still show you how to get to where you're going. It's a narrow way. But there are a whole lot of people calling themselves Christians that don't know the way. Sidestepping the real truth of Christ's salvation and drifting off on side roads. I want to drop down real quickly. Verse 21. These are two more verses that are extremely scary. And uh, before I preach those or show you those, I'll give you something else that's scary. I left my watch at home this morning. I have no idea when to quit. (laughs) Hallelujah. And don't anybody go like this because I learned when my mother did that to quit watching. So, (laughs) Hallelujah. Verse 21, Not everyone that saith unto me, Lord, Lord, shall enter into the kingdom of heaven. But he that doeth, doeth the will of my Father which is in heaven. Not everyone that stood in a, in a prayer line somewhere and raised their hand and said, I do, is born again. We passed out cards in major revivals and said, here, sign this. Somebody will call you next week and be sure that everything's okay. And they walked out of the building thinking they'd been saved because somebody told them they were. And nobody ever called them next week. We came, we counted souls that came to the altar. We said we had multiple salvations. And nobody followed up. Nobody paid any attention. Nobody kept track. Nobody led them. Nobody discipled them. Uh, I've preached salvation for over 50 years. I believe it's real. But Christ never said, get anybody saved. He said, make disciples of them. Look, if we get you saved and throw you in an icebox, you're going to freeze to death and still miss heaven. Have to be discipled. Somebody has to put their arm around you and guide you. That's the plan of Christ. But He said, there are those saying, Lord, Lord, yeah, I joined the church. Pastor so-and-so, baptize me. Look, I don't care if you were sprinkled, poured, dipped, double dipped, or triple dipped. Baptism will not save you. Taking communion will not save you. Paying tithes to your favorite church will not save you. Only a personal experience with Jesus Christ will save you. And people, it's always personal. Your experience is not my experience. It's you He called unto Him and you responded and what He did in you cannot be taken away. You experienced it. You know what happened. You know what He did. And if you don't know anything that took place down there, let me assure you, nothing happened. 
somebody just told you you were all right. I've always been amazed at, at us full gospel preachers. We call people up for healing, for instance, and we lay hands on them, and glory to God, you're healed. And, and they can't even hardly walk back to their pew, and they really haven't been healed. Look, if, if you come for healing, you ought to be the first one that feels it. If you come for salvation, you don't need me to tell you you got saved. You come to be filled with the Holy Spirit. Let me assure you, He can do that to you without my help. I don't need to stand here and try to tell you what to say or pull your tongue. Glory. He's big enough to take care of it on His own. Glory to God. Listen, this thing with Jesus is a real thing. It's a real experience. He's a real friend. It's not a matter that He's sitting up in heaven ignoring you. He's very, very real and wants to be in every area of your life. Oh, not just in church. Listen, anybody can be holy in church. That's not no job. We'll even tell you when to be. Everybody stand now. Lift your hands. Everybody's just going through the motion. Look, that's not holiness. Holiness is what Christ does from within you. And you'll begin immediately to change. I don't rewrite Scripture. But sometimes I read it differently. Hallelujah. I preached it for years. If any man be in Christ, he's a new creature. Old things are passed away. Behold, all things are become new. Boy, when you get saved, everything's new. Well, everything's starting out to be new. Hello. Hey, that's like taking a baby and pulling him out of the crib and say, okay, kid, grow up now. No, it's going to be step by step. He's going to learn. He'll learn to crawl. He'll learn to walk. He'll learn to talk back. He'll learn to do all the things he shouldn't learn. And you'll have to correct him when he messes up. Christian births much the same way. Becoming a Christian does not mean you never do anything wrong again. You're becoming new. My wife fixed uh, some scalloped potatoes with herbs last night. And she took one little one and said, Addie, you have to try one. And Addie stuck it to her mouth and said, I don't like that. (laughs) Glory to God. You have to learn what you like and don't like. Have to learn what God says is right and what God says is wrong. And He's big enough to tell you. Some of you do things right now that some of us aren't at liberty to do. Now Paul said, I have all kinds of liberty. I can do anything. Everything's legal for me, but not everything's expedient. It's not good that I do some things. What things shouldn't I do? Whatever Jesus says, don't do. But they became doers. He that doeth the will of the Father. You can read the Bible and know the will of God. Knowing it will not make you different. Doing it will. Hallelujah. There's a narrow road. A road that Jesus has chosen for you. And He didn't intend for you to walk it alone. He said, I will never leave you. 
nor forsake you. He'll go with you on the journey. Next verse. Many will say to me in that day, Lord, Lord, have we not prophesied in thy name? And in thy name cast out devils? And in thy name done many wonderful works? Look, God, we've held revivals. Look what we've done. Let me tell you something. Judas was just as anointed as Peter. Originally, they went into the cities and did revivals and came back and told Jesus, you should have seen what we did. But somewhere between those revivals and the crucifixion, Judas lost something. He became more interested in his friends, his plan, his program. Oh, I'll put more money in the treasury. I'll, I'll take this bribe and Jesus will walk away from it all. And Jesus didn't. And his heart was so broken that he went out and hanged himself. Hello? Listen, not everybody that says, Lord, Lord. Not everybody that lays hands on you. Not everybody that comes into your church and says, Hallelujah, is going to make it. No, there's a consistency in this thing. It's not an in and out. It's not an up and down. It's a constant thing in Christ. Hallelujah. Not everybody that says that. Not everybody who's faced demons and cast them out. Wow. Years ago we watched a television program every Sunday morning before I went to pastor a little church out in the country. And A.A. Allen was on on that program. And some of you have heard of Brother Allen from Miracle Valley, Arizona. And on that program, he would stand there and cast out devils. He'd talk to them. Well, Brother Don, was that done for sure? I don't know. But I do know he would deal with that thing right then and there. And the sad thing is that when he died... The cause of his death was syphilis. Compounded by alcoholism. Cirrhosis of the liver. I'm fighting your devils. But I've got my own. And let me tell you this. Before you cast the devils out of Lindell, be sure you've got your own taken care of. Be sure you can stand before him in holiness. And, and in fact, you better wait till he comes to you and says, I want you to. I've, I've been in churches where the devil got more honor than Jesus did. That's sad. That's not what the church is about. Cast out devils. We've done a lot of good stuff. And, and listen. There are a lot of major mega churches with huge buildings and all this fancy stuff that are doing good things. Church in, in Springfield for Mother's Day uh, gave some of the mothers a car. Some of the, the single mothers, uh, they took them on a shopping trip, gave them $100, $150 a piece to, to go shopping and provided a limousine for them to go to the shopping area. He says, they do some good things. 
they're not necessarily God things. Oh, yeah, we'll go back. Yeah, this is fantastic. Look what financially they're doing, but look, finances don't get you to heaven. Only the Spirit can do that. Then he said this in verse 23. And of all the verses, I think this is is the scariest. And then will I profess unto them, I never knew you. Depart from me, ye that work iniquity. I never knew you. We had no intimate relationship. You had a relationship with the church. Every time the church people come in, you hugged them, you, you embraced them, you told them you loved them, you did all of those those churchy things, but you never had a relationship with me. You never spent time with me. You never sat down and had coffee with me. We went out and, and sat on your porch and I sat there with you and, and tried to talk to you and you were so caught up in, in the ball game or whatever that you couldn't, couldn't have fellowship. I never knew you. New in Scripture normally implies intimacy. How many of you are Christians? That's not intimate. That's collective. Intimacy involves you and someone else. Husbands and wives are intimate. Not off base here. They have a relationship. And you may know them, but that's not your relationship. I've watched some husbands and wives kiss passionately. I've watched others that just pecked each other on the cheek. That's their relationship. It's not yours. Don't go try to correct theirs. <laughs> you have a relationship offered to you with the King of Glory, Jesus Christ, the Son of the Living God, the only begotten Son of the Father, your advocate who sits in heaven. You have a relationship offered to you with Him. Enjoy it. Hello. Enjoy it. Don't make a job out of it. Enjoy the walk with Him. Amen. Come that you might have life, have it abundantly. And then He said, Ye that work iniquity. You know who He's talking to? Church people. He's not talking about sin. Hello. The Bible said He forgave our sins and iniquities. If they were the same, He'd have only said one. What are our iniquities? Doing God's thing our way. It's all it amounts to. If you look it up in one place, it says unequal judgments. I mean, I know what's right. Doesn't matter what God says, we'll do it this way because I've figured it out. That's called iniquity. You think you have a better idea than God. Listen, evangelists, pastors, prophets, teachers, apostles. 
will stand before God someday and give an account for our iniquity. God told us to do a certain thing a certain way and we figured out it was more politically correct to do it a different way. Hello. Well, Brother Don, you know how it is. As Christians, we really need to be kind. I want to tell you something. Jesus wasn't always kind. The elders of the church approached him, the rabbinical priesthood, and he called them a generation of vipers, hypocrites, tombs full of dead men's bones. That don't sound very nice to me. Hallelujah. He told Paul what he was and changed him. Told Peter he was the devil. Really? Yeah, he said, get thee behind me, Satan. The idea that Peter had just expressed came from Satan, not, not Jesus. But iniquity will cause you to hear God or to read God's Word. And no, God said to do this or don't do this. And you said, but I got it figured out. He didn't mean that. He meant. Don't you get tired of hearing that? Well, I know what the Bible says, but what it means is. You know, I don't think Jesus was uncomfortable telling the truth. I think what he said he really meant. You need a relationship with him. Look, the only way you can make this journey successfully is to stay on the narrow road in a relationship with Him. Relationships can be broken. I'll close with this. If the relationship between you and Christ is broken, you will be the one to break it. He'll never veer off course. You'll have to stay with Him. But if you want peace, joy, happiness, you need to know Jesus. You won't find it anyplace else. You need Him. Hallelujah. Let's stand together. Richard, if you want to put something on for a moment. If you're here today, you don't know Jesus. You've never... Never claimed Him as Savior. Never put your faith and trust in Him. Never asked Him to go with you in your life, young or old. Doesn't make any difference. I want you to come this morning, kneel at the front of the church. We'll have people come pray with you. Believe God with you. You'll walk away from here today different. We will not tell you you've been born again. But I'll guarantee you, you will know it when you get up from that place. Hallelujah. Father, right now, we turn this service over to you. God, right now, we just pray by the Spirit that if there be one here today, God, that's just kind of going with the flow, may they get off the road today and come to Christ. God, there's a broad road that leads to destruction, leads to the very pits of hell. But God, you've promised a narrow road where, where Jesus will hook up with us. Where we can take His yoke upon us and learn of Him. Get to know Him. And God, I pray today that you draw people to you. 
Father, we open the altars to those that need to come. God, we open the front of this building to those that need prayer, need healing. God, there are those here that will pray for them, believe for them. God, today be Lord in this place. Hallelujah. Right now, we invite you to come.